The Holistic Counseling Podcast is part of the practice of the Practice Network, a network of podcasts seeking to help you market and grow your business and yourself. To hear other podcasts like Behind the Bite, Full of Shift, and Impact Driven Leader, go to www.practiceofthepractice.com forward slash network. Welcome to the Holistic Counseling Podcast, where you discover diverse wellness modalities, advice on growing your integrative practice, and grow confidence in being your unique self. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. I'm so glad you're here for the journey. Welcome back to today's episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. This is Chris McDonald. I'm your host and expert in all things related to holistic counseling. If you're a new listener, I want to say welcome. I invite you to come join my amazing Facebook community called the Holistic Counseling and Self-Care Group. In this group, you can connect with other like-minded providers and gain holistic tools and insights to help you on your holistic journey. I am so pleased to bring back my guest from episode 35, Dr. Roseanne Cabana-Hodge. She gave a wonderful interview on the use of neurofeedback and biofeedback. So check it out in case you missed it. You really want to go back and listen. Dr. Roseanne is a mental health trailblazer, founder of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health. She is changing the way we view and treat children's mental health. She is known for brain-based solutions for struggling kids, and her work has helped thousands reverse the most challenging conditions. Today's discussion will be on ERP, or Exposure and Response Prevention Therapy. Welcome to the podcast, Roseanne. I am so grateful and excited that we're having this interview and we're going to talk about something that people don't know a lot about, OCD. Exactly. And this treatment too, I think a lot of people may not be familiar with it. Most definitely. I think people, you know, uh, besides it being super, uh, sometimes hard to diagnose, easily missed, uh, we don't know really how it's treated. And that includes not just people who are searching for solutions, but often clinical therapists have misinformation about how OCD should be best be treated. And, you know, I'm all about science-backed solutions. So, you know, you've got to look to the science to see what actually turns the dial for OCD, especially because it is a very treatment-resistant condition. Oh, for sure. So can you share with my listeners a little more about yourself and your work? Yeah. So um, I am a therapist, a psychologist, an author, and I really just, as you said, I'm on this mission to change the way we view and treat uh, mental health, particularly for children and families um, during this really extraordinarily stressful time, but even prior to that. So, you know, I have been teaching people about solutions for struggling kids for 30 years, and all of my work is uh, holistic-based. I've actually never, ever, um, I've certainly trained in traditional methodologies, but all of my clinical practice has been using effective natural solutions like specific types of psychotherapy and neurofeedback and biofeedback and nutrition and supplements, um, which is why, you know, I have such great results with my clients because I'm looking to the research to look at what actually creates change. So what makes OCD so difficult to treat? Yeah, I think the first thing about what makes OCD difficult to treat is that these individuals are often missed 
And, you know, OCD, we often think of it as those compulsions, those outward behaviors and rituals that you see, like hand washing and counting and checking. But it always starts with obsessive thinking. And a lot of people, even though they may have rituals, they're internal. So it's a very internal disease. So that makes it hard to diagnose and hard to treat because we don't know how long it's been around, right? So that's one part of it. And then the other part of it, and I'll give you some great stories about how hard it was to identify people. But um, the other part of it is that from a neurological basis, why it's so hard to treat is that Yes, you have an overactivity of um, neurotransmitters, too many excitatory neurotransmitters. You have your central nervous system in what we call stressed out sympathetic dominant state. But there's something called a negative reinforcement loop. And with OCD, when somebody has an intrusive thought or a compulsive behavior, there's something that's a trigger. Right. So, for example, um, you know, true story had a kid that uh, his obsessions were about storms. So anytime a storm was going to happen, he would naturally have an acceleration of anxiety and intrusive thoughts and compulsions. Right. And so he would say to his mom, whether there was a storm or not, though, Chris, every day Uh he would. Yeah, he would sit at the, you know, a need for reassuring questions is a common component, uh, whether you're an adult or a child, but even more so if you're a teenager or a child. So he would say, mom, is there going to be a storm today? Right. So he would activate and his mother would give him a reassurance. No, it's not going to. And what would happen is if you can visualize, if you're listening, he would have a spike And then he would, his mother reassuring him would cause the anxiety to go down. The problem with that's actually feeding his anxiety because he then on a neurological subconscious level relies on the reassurance to calm his anxiety. It actually causes it to increase. So every time she reassures him, it goes down, but then the spike goes further up the next time. So it's called a negative reinforcement loop. Now, if she handled it differently, and this is what ERP is all about, we can talk about this. And she said, hey, Joey, what happened yesterday? right? Or what is the answer to that? Or she said something that forced coping. What's going to happen is his anxiety is going to spike up further. But since he employed his own coping strategies and he wasn't accommodated, his anxiety will be less the next time. So it goes up further, then goes down further. So every time He's going to lower the threshold. We'll get his baseline down. Where when we accommodate, we move the baseline up. It becomes harder and harder. So that's one of the hardest parts about treatment, right? And then the third part that makes treatment really hard is there's not a lot of people doing appropriate evidence-based treatment for OCD. They're doing a lot of talk therapy. True. Um, or the same therapy they do for anxiety, which is not the same. But I just want to stop you right there because I, I appreciate that clear discussion on that because I've, I've treated some clients with OCD, but I've never thought of it that way about the negative reinforcement loop. Why have I not heard of this? this yeah. This, 
this really helps to understand in my mind if I'm treating somebody with this. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's a big, you know, it's a big deal. I have a great blog about it with a visual because, I, you right. know, even just to see the visual to understand you're actually feeding it, right? So when we talk about their anxiety, that that in itself is an exposure. But when we work with the client, and please know everybody, I was doing this too. For many, many years, I was doing anxiety treatment for people with OCD. It is a completely different treatment and we'll break out what is exposure, response, and prevention. We'll, we'll get into all that. But what would happen is they would come in and I would be like, wow, you know, that must have been really hard. Let's talk about ways to breathe through that, right? Which, which is not a terrible treatment, but we didn't exactly address the underpinnings, right? And, and it's really, really easy if, a, if you're not asking the right questions, you're not doing a deep intake to miss what OCD is. And here's a great example. And please know whenever I share examples, I've, I've changed the story. So to protect people's um, identity. So um, I recently had somebody who came in, have heard this story 50 times. So the client came in and they're like, he just got OCD. Okay. And I was like, okay, let's look back. Right. And I always say, when did the anxiety start? Because OCD um, unless it's uh, pans pandas, which is a um, sudden onset of a uh, OCD. In this case, OCD can be a variety of mental health issues um, from a toxic, toxic or an infectious disease trigger, and it just turns on with no precipitating mental health issue, which can happen and does happen all the time. Um, but what happens with typical OCD is it starts with anxiety. It starts with worry. And we all have different ways that we manage our worry, right? Some are healthy and some are unhealthy. And some unhealthy response that I think a lot of adults can relate to would be things like drinking alcohol or emotional eating or, um, you know, sitting in bed or even binge watching Netflix all the time, right? Um, or avoiding yes. people, <laughs> right? So, but then for some people, what happens is they move to this constant looping thoughts. And, you know, when it flips to OCD is when you're spending an hour or more a day and having obsessive thinking, compulsive or obsessive thoughts and behaviors or rituals. So it's got to be an hour or more a day is when so it So it's not just a casual, oh, I keep checking to see if the door is locked five times. Exactly. And and even that, you know, if 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 you can't if you have a ritual around, you know, you can't leave your house unless you've gone back and checked five times, you know, that's interfering with your daily life, right? Yes. But where is that also showing up? So in the case of this mom, when we went back, what we uncovered is there were a ton of rituals. There were rituals around bedtime that the parents participated in. They didn't see it as a problem then because he did well in school, he had friends, and they just participated in the ritual. So he didn't freak, he didn't quote unquote freak out, as they said, right? As he is now, them using their words. Um, and then there were a bunch of other things related to how he did certain things related to sports and uh, rituals around eating and things. And again, he, it wasn't 
they were absolutely OCD, but since he wasn't so emotionally reactive as he is right now, and I'm also getting as we're returning um, in the 2021-2022 school year, I'm getting a lot of school refusals. So we started school refusing because of his OCD and his rituals. Um, and so they, we were able to piece together that he actually had OCD for about three years. Wow. Um, was Sounds like a lot of investigative work. Yeah, a lot of investigating right questions. It's the right, right questions. questions. Really, okay. mm-hmm. yeah. You want to do, uh, Yale has a great intake form uh, for OCD that's available online and people can, can do that as a therapist. And so it's really understanding what to look for, right? And that, you know, many people, um, what their obsessions and compulsions are, you know, OCD yeah, we think of hand washing, but the majority of people have obsessive, you know, they can have very dark thoughts, thoughts about harming themselves or other. They're not going to, but they have an obsessive worry about it, right? I am worried I'm going to kill myself. I am worried I'm going to hang myself. These are things people have told us. They have no plan, no intention, but there is a thought that comes in. Um, they can worry, They can have uh, thoughts about demons, thoughts about knives, sexual things, with never having been sexually victimized in any way. These are intrusive thoughts that have no logic behind them. And I think that's one of the big differences about OCD. There's often no logic, right? Where in anxiety, there tends to be a bit of truth, right? I'm worried about tests, right? School tests. Um, because they're important, right? Now in OCD, it could flip to that you're worried um, and you have a series of rituals around these tests and it's taking two hours a day. You believe that if you do a prayer ritual for 43 minutes, right? And it could be that specific that you will then get a good grade. If you don't do that for 43 minutes and let's say you're interrupted, you will get a bad grade. Right. Do you see that distinction yes. in the rationality? So really, really important to understand. And that that's so hard. And then therapists, they're, you know, you, you know, we got trained. How much OCD training did you get? Not much. No, not much at all. Right. And it kind of got lumped in with anxiety, but yet we didn't know how to treat it. And, you know, what happened is doing being that I, if you listen to the other episode about neurofeedback, I deal with a lot of very challenging layered cases. Um, I also get some pretty straightforward cases, like a nice little case of ADD. Um, a nice but, little case. <laughs> <laughs> but most of mine are just like super layered and Yes. I can get take on the hardest cases. I take on the hard cases. But so what happened was, you know, when I started working with people with OCD, I was like, oh my gosh, this, how am I going to help them? Because OCD is about the overactivation of the nervous system, the obsessive thinking, compulsive behaviors that are deeply rooted in behavioral habituation. And as I gave you that example of the negative reinforcement cycle, people inadvertently reinforce people's OCD all the time. And you don't even know you're reinforcing in the case of a kid or a partner or a loved one, um, right? Because I have lots of adults who literally can't live their lives are completely eclipsed by the OCD and people around them comfort them instead of saying, hold on. You got through this yesterday. Let's go through the three steps you did yesterday. 
and then you get them to learn how to cope. And so that is so important. And what exposure response and prevention, it's, it's an amazing asset because when I started to realize, wait a second, I wasn't getting people yeah. better at the same rate, 90% or better when people come to me, um, consistent with research about neurofeedback, I was lucky if I had 30 to 40% of people with OCD get better just with neurofeedback. You need to behaviorally dismantle the behaviors. So can you talk my listeners through it? So how does it usually start? So what we do is we do a combination of neurofeedback. We get the nervous system regulating. At the same time, we do exposure and response prevention. So ERP is about educating the client in the neuroscience. So what I talked about, this negative reinforcement cycle. They get the insight. They understand. Then they understand how to break free from accommodation, right? They learn how to talk back to their OCD and their their worries or intrusive thoughts, their compulsive behaviors or rituals. And they're given those tools, but what how that happens is in the psychoeducation process, we're learning about what are your triggers, right? In the case of the boy, it was what the weather, right? Anything related to weather, you could have a benign conversation about the weather, boom, triggered obsessive thinking, right? Um, and a series of rituals for him. And what then happens is in a therapy session, you are learned through safe exposures, you expose somebody in that case, right? What would be a safe exposure? Well, you could pull up the weather for the week. And in the session or one day, right, you could do a start with something easy like sunny weather and then say, okay, let's check the weather right away. Lots of anxiety has an obsessive belief that he will be harmed or killed if there is any type of lightning or bad weather in particular, right? So then it would be like, look, it's raining outside. Let's look outside, <laughs> whatever it is, and then realize I'm not going to I'm not going to pass. And every time you do that, he then realizes and challenges his belief system, right? His irrational, compulsive, obsessive thinking, and then he then gains control. So it's teaching him you're safe you're in control and you're practicing that you're giving them tools and really, 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 really critical to the efficacy of exposure and response prevention, especially when there's kids involved is the people in your life learning how to not feed the barking dog, how not to accommodate because we inadvertently do it and having that consistency in the practice themselves within those ERP sessions so that they can do it outside of the session. Um, And it is the most evidence-based type of psychotherapy for ERP and it, I mean, for OCD and ERP is very structured. There's a rigidity to the treatment that lends itself beautifully with OCD because the person is rigid in OCD and it's sort of like a step-by-step methodology with a lot of teaching of coping skills and a tremendous amount of psychoeducation. So I'm guessing that those that have OCD would probably like that too, to have that structure. 
They do love the structure. They People with OCD can, you know, there's two kinds of people with OCD in terms of like, you know, it's just like any other therapy and all the therapists that listen. There's people that are ready and there's people that are not. And even the people that are not, you can, if they're sick and tired of that OCD, that anxiety, whatever is, whatever is their affliction, right? They are willing to do the work, right? So you have to be willing to do the work. And in the case of parents supporting a kid, they are usually the determining factor in if a kid's going to get better or not. Because I'm going to tell you that probably a third of parents who attempt OCD, they stop because they can't handle it. So, you know, as I always talk to my parents about working smarter, right? Not harder. So they're already working real hard. They get caught in a behavioral cycle with their kid that's OCD. The OCD is ruling the household and it's a tyrant. OCD is like a tyrant I've never seen, sometimes even more so than addiction. That's how hard OCD wow. can break. That's crazy. And, and they don't want to have another with that feels like them at first is an initial hill, right? So they have to learn how to break their part. And obviously you don't, you know, you never, you know, we, we talk about feeding the barking dog and like, it's just shifting your language so that you shift towards not accommodating and teaching coping skills. And it's hard. It's not easy, but it is unbelievably effective. It is, it is, if, if people are compliant you know, the rates of efficacy are quite rare in terms of like in psychotherapy, but they do appreciate the, the formality of it, the consistency of it. And you need a consistency when breaking a behavior and ERP does a great job of it. And therapists, you know, they have to like it. You can't, you know, all of a sudden start talking about, you know, feelings about something else. You have to stick to the ERP because your job is to dismantle those behaviors. So it requires rigidity on the therapist part as well. That's true. So how is it different? I know you talked about traditional therapy is not effective usually for OCD. So how's it different from like CBT? Because I know that's a very common modality. Yeah. So it does blend in some CBT. Oh, it does. It absolutely does. But you are using it in a way that is relevant to the OCD and you're really focusing on the exposure, right? Where CBT, you know, we're doing cognitions and behaviors and that's absolutely part of what you have to do. But CBT alone is not as effective as when we incorporate the exposure part. And, you know, it requires a finesse, right? Um, You know, my book, Teletherapy Toolkit, we have a whole section on um, ERP on ERP and OCD because it is something we're not learning about. And I certainly would, if you have a population of people with OCD or you're willing to work with that, there's some great trainings out there. You can log on to IOCDF and there it's worth this kind of training because I even like doing exposures, obviously with people um, with anxiety, with different, different areas, you know, we all get stuck on thoughts. Um, And sometimes they can just eclipse your rational thinking and quickly turn on this obsessive compulsive bent. Um, And no, you don't have to have genetic um, OCD to have OCD. And in fact, 
it is the least common form of OCD that I see. It, it often just morphs on its own. It also can be very inflammation-based, um, which we're starting to see talk way more about in mental health, that people have inflammatory conditions, which are turning on things like Wow, OCD. I had no idea. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's even... You know, we know that through postmortem studies with autism, 72% of brains with autism have um, inflammation and about a third of people with autism have OCD. So there's so much comorbidity and, you know, inflammation is one of the primary um, causes of mental health issues. You're just not hearing about it because, you know, good old pharma wants us to think everything is biochemical and genetic because then there's a pill for it. That's true. That's why I love holistic counseling too, because we do look at the whole person and could there be other factors that are causing some of these issues? And could there be treatments that we're doing, which is so (laughs) important why you're having these conversations. Yeah. To really open people's minds, right? One hundred percent. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's probably a therapist right now thinking, oh, my gosh, I've got two people, three people on my caseload right now that have OCD and I am not um, giving them the best type of treatment, which is how I found ERP. I was like, I got to I got to do something different because I'm not I'm not okay with uh, people not having significant change. Right. And I knew that I was getting more and more people with OCD. And if I was going to serve them, then I needed to do a better job in the psychotherapy part. Otherwise I was going to have to start finding somebody else to refer them to. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of providers that do ERP, which, which can be quite advantageous. I mean, people come to us from all over to do ERP. Um, so if you're a therapist looking to niche down, um, this is a wonderful area to niche down. There's such a desperate need. Um, and and if you're somebody who likes order, which I do because I come from neuropsych testing, um, this is a wonderful therapy because it really does unwind the behavior right in front of your eyes um, in a way that is so different from talk therapy. And how involved is the training for that? Well, you know, they have trainings that are, if you go to IOCDF, I think it's UMass has a training that's about a month virtually. Um, and it's a great training and it gets you started. And I, you know, after a month, uh, you can start really incorporating some of these things. I mean, it's not too bad. Nope. And of course, I hired clinical supervisor and we uh, we did our whole practice, got the training a number of years ago. And I I knew we are only holistic practice. So I found a holistic ERP provider to train our staff. So (laughs) so that I wasn't going to hear medication, 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 because, you know, there's not a lot of good research to support the medication. We know we know with OCD. You've got to do psychotherapy that addresses the behavior. It just is not as effective. It's not. Yeah. And that's why I was wondering, too, with um, if this can be used with other holistic modalities. It's a wonderful adjunctive. You know, um, I know some of your recent podcasts, you've had stuff about uh, essential oils. I love essential oils. I have them right out right in front of me. Uh, certainly, I 
always use it with either neurofeedback or something called PEMF, which is pulse electromagnetic frequency, which calms the um, central nervous system or biofeedback. I use it with that. But also there's wonderful supplements. I have great blogs about supplements for OCD that are, that are evidence-based. Um, so, you know, there are many, many resources and tools, yoga, um, you know, I'm just trying to think of just whatever feels right to a person that doesn't feed the OCD component of it is a, can be a great add-on. You know, the great part about holistic therapies, Chris, is that we, they often work synergistically to um, not only just together, but they often boost each other because once you focus on regulating that nervous system everything can work at a higher at the way that it's supposed to be i say higher level but really it's the way that it's supposed to be getting back to that homeostasis right and that's right hopefully <laughs> that's the goal right Some, <laughs> well, it's it not takes always it it's not easy to get there. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy to get there. And once you get there, yeah. you got to keep going. I know, right? Maintain. Oh my you god, you got to maintain. And that's where the beauty of holistic therapy is, right? There's so many tools and resources that you can you can be in control of, right? And I love as therapists when we teach our clients these things because they're not learning it unless they seek it out. And so it's a wonderful opportunity to create lifestyle changes for our clients. So Roseanne, was there anything else you wanted to share about what we talked about today? I would just say that if you, you know, if people are talking about, you know, with OCD, we can't approach it with feelings. That is not where they're at. They, we have to really meet them on the thinking level because it's intrusive thoughts. And, um, you know, when you're asking them to connect to the emotions part of it, it's like talking Chinese to them when we're supposed to be speaking French. Okay. And so really focus on psychoeducation, teaching them to talk back to their worries, their intrusive thoughts, their compulsions, and really supporting the thinking and sensation part of it. Emotions come later, but they're so caught up in these looping, intrusive thoughts that they're going to always think therapy is ineffective if we approach it from feelings. So consider ERP, and I highly recommend all the therapists out there to get onto IOCDF website to learn Can more about it. Can you send that link? I'll put it in the show yeah, notes. I that will. Be great. So what's the best way for listeners to find you and learn more about you? So I'm Dr. Roseanne everywhere, D-R-R-O-S-E-A-N-N, that's .com. I'm on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, as Dr. Roseanne. She is everywhere. I was telling her before we recorded too that she has so many interviews that you can learn so much from her. And your book is out too. Yeah, I have my book. It's going to be okay. And it's really um, talks a lot about how to reduce and reverse mental health system um, issues, right? And conditions and symptoms just using only proven holistic therapies. So it's written technically for parents, but I want you to know that this is really for everybody. And I know a lot of um, therapists buy it. Well, thanks for coming back on the podcast. I'm so grateful to be here.
Yeah, this has been great. And I want to thank my listeners for tuning in to today's episode. Let's continue to build this holistic community. You can help by sharing this episode with a friend. And remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. And once again, this is Chris McDonald sending each one of you much light and love. Until next time, take care. If you're loving the show, will you rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform? We just started this and that helps other people find this show. Also, if you're feeling uncertain about your modalities and you want to build your confidence to be your unique self, I want you to join my free email course, Becoming a Holistic Counselor, over at HolisticCounselingPodcast.com. In my Becoming a Holistic Counselor course, you'll get tips for adding integrative care into your practice, what training you need and don't, and the know-how to attract your ideal holistic clients. If this sounds like the direction you are headed, sign up at HolisticCounselingPodcast.com. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.